1: Hello, thank you for listening and welcome to The Rugby Dungeon. This week's instalment of The Rugby Dungeon is with the great Jamal Ford Robinson, or should I say, soon to be great Jamal Ford Robinson. Sorry about last week, having a week off, I was in South Africa and I couldn't quite organise the interview that I wanted to, couldn't make places and times work, so there you are, you're going to have to suffer with a week off. Anyway, as always, find us on Twitter, I'm at Jay Bidmore, this podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon, and of course there's the biggest rugby podcast in the world, The Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, i every week, just download, subscribe, do all that things, all those good things, sorry, and, of course, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which would be most, most gratefully received. Okay, enough of that nonsense, here is my interview with Jamal Ford-Robinson, hope you enjoy it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm all good, you?
1: Yeah, good. How has the uh, training been this week? I
2: haven't been in yet, actually. Why is that then? Uh, we had uh, two days off after the game, uh, <clears throat> and then I've been feeling a bit iffy today, so they just said to stay away today.
1: Oh, so. uh, I see. How's um How's the atmosphere on there? Uh, well, I don't
2: know. It's hard to say, because obviously I haven't been in since, uh, since we've been confirmed uh, relegated, so... I'm not sure there would have been a meeting today but I wasn't in there so I'm not sure what the the mood like, but generally it's been all right. It seems feel pretty positive.
1: Yeah, has it been a sort of realisation around the squad that um you know, it was kind of on it on its way?
2: Yeah, no one was really I mean, you, you can you can do, you know, whatever you can do on the field but you can't get away from the fact that you're you know, you're chasing when you're ten points behind, you know, the next guy's in the table.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was a pretty tough one because you know when we spoke last, you were quite confident, and I think I, I think actually you were playing well enough to justify that confidence. But uh, you know, when do you think the turning point was in 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 your mind?
2: Um, it's hard to say, really. I think I think maybe the Gloucester at home game. Um, you know, obviously uh, I'm trying to think back now in what games came in which order, but. So we got that big win against Bath, um, which was like a massive boost in confidence for us.
1: Yeah, that was huge, actually.
2: Last, I'm not sure. Um, and then, you know, we got a couple of losses, and then we we really targeted that Gloucester at home game to to uh, get us back in the swing of things. And you know, it wasn't even close. Really, they, um, they ended up running away with that one, and so that was kind of like a uh, a big turning point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we we didn't really, you know, we've never really taken the foot off the pedal in terms of chasing it down. Um, you know, even go even heading into that wasp game, you know, going against top of the league, you know, we we're still proper pumped up for it. You know, it's a, it's a game at home. Which you know you're, you're always going to target your home games,
1: mm. and and you're scoring points too. I mean that's the most important thing. I know wasps do wasps do tend to concede, but throughout the season you, you've you've got quite a few bonus points actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, I mean we do seem to to be able to um, string together you know some some good phases of play and get some tries in. You know especially with. Uh, with uh, Woodwood, you know, Woody coming in at fullback, he gave us a, a bit of a spark in that back line.
1: Yeah, he's uh, class actually, isn't he?
2: And and you seen like, um, you know, when he first arrived, him partnering up with Van for, you know, they were scoring for days. That that went you know, when That when they first started playing together.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think also targeting that targeting Gloucester for whatever reason it is, I think Gloucester really come into a bit of form like late on in the season, and I think that's partly due just to getting some in, some injured players back
2: yeah maybe I, I mean I don't really follow you know rugby all that and such I just kind of uh, <laughs> rock up train and then rock up on the weekend and play but so, uh, I, 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 some changes there haven't
1: there yeah so that question right and I've been wanting to ask this question to so many players for a, a long time I just kind of forget because it is such a basic question do you actually like rugby? Is it? Would you class it in like one of your top five things that you enjoy watching, or you know, um, you know, reading about?
2: Uh, I enjoy playing rugby,
1: mm-hmm.
2: watching the occasional game. You know, I'll always try and watch the internationals when they're on. But I mean, I think I could speak for most people, especially that I know of that I spoke to, that no one actually, you know, out and out enjoys rugby that much
1: I completely agree with that I completely agree with it and I, in my rugby club it's
2: your, thing, it's your thing you do like every you know every, every minute during the you know that working time when you're at training or when you're at the weekend you've got the game and there's you, you know it's not like you can switch off at the weekend and go out you know it's it's, it's, it's a 24-7 thing yeah so, you know any, any kind of time you get to get away from it you know obviously you might have guys that do their uh Bit of extra video analysis at home or something, but I can't. I can't name many people that would go home and and actually look forward to, you know, watching a, a game on TV.
1: That, that's amazing. I mean, I, I I guess that's why rugby fans are a fairly odd breed, actually. But uh, yeah, what you're saying isn't unusual. I mean, even at my rugby club at low level, where you've got to kind of like the game to go and play. Most of them are more interested in, w- in watching United City on the weekend than they are ever watching. You know, Northampton Northampton Leicester say
2: yeah I think um, I don't know maybe whether being in the same league as those teams uh, changes it as well because I'm sure I've had a bit more motivation to watch Prem games when I was playing in the Champ mm. like since being in the Prem that I don't know it's, it's hard to say without kind of you know, without saying all negatives that, you know, that no one likes rugby.
1: <laughs> That'd be controversial on, on on a rugby podcast. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that never happened, surely not.
1: <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously everyone enjoys playing rugby and everyone, you know, puts everything into it. But, yeah, in terms of actually looking forward to watching games at home, I, I mm. can't think of many people that do that.
1: No, but it is a fair point because rugby is quite, yeah. You know, it is a physical sport. There is a lot more joy in playing it than I guess watching it.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I suppose that's, you know, that's something you get. I think once you, you know, once you've taken the field and you actually know what it's like to, you know, to to take those hits and, you know, to be involved in scrums if you're, a, you know, a front eight or, um, just, you know, just those moments that, you know, stick in your mind when you're playing the, you know the, the, the buzz you get from actually doing those things is so much more than, than what you'd get from just watching them you know that just mm. you know go back to watching the game it's just like a bit anticlimactic really
1: yeah i am guessing then you're going to have the same sort of opinion as me on the game of touch rugby, which is neither exciting to watch nor exciting to play.
2: I might actually disagree with you on this one. What? Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, um, I've played... Well, I've, I'm not going to say I've I played it, but I did a bit of touch rugby, like proper touch rugby, as part of uh, my like pre-season training a few years ago. Yeah. And I absolutely
1: loved it. No, you didn't. I won't, I, won't, I won't have it.
2: I could never watch it. I don't think I could ever watch it. But playing it, it was just like... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Just because like there's like there's just seem seemed like it's not just you know everyone like plays touch in in training. You know if you haven't got contact, you just... yeah,
1: which is fine. That that that's one thing.
2: Yeah, but it's just like there's you know you know how like in sevens you, you compare sevens to fifteens. There's like a, a whole new separate, different set of tactics. You know. Yeah. The same applies for touch.
1: Do you know? It's I just, like, I just think it's cowardly. Uh, I, I think it's cowardly. Like when you're playing it, at, you know the the way you meant to play touch. Like they're yeah. hitting up and they're touching. They almost t- touch you to get the ball down, and it's so frustrating.
2: Yeah, yeah well, that's well, that's one of the things I've to, is that you know, like sometimes if you if you're with the ball, you are sticking your hand out because you want you want to get touched because you're ready to. Yeah. Maybe you're ready to play the ball real quick, and you've got that nine that's ready to scoot. And obviously there's, I think there's like, Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm the expert on the laws of it, but there's, <laughs> there's obviously something like you can't get touched if you, if you play as nine uh, within like a five meter radius or something. Um, so, you know, sometimes you do, you, you do go out looking to be touched, you know, to create that gap in behind. Mm. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know something about those kind of those little there's little new techniques and and um, like differences, you know, really attracted me
1: to that, actually. Well, I might have to edit this bit out, but I'm going to try and explain my dislike for touch in, you know, a, a short sort of period now. But there's a certain pride of being in a rugby team, because when you are part of a rugby team and you play the sport, you go through a lot of things which the average man on the street doesn't actually go through. You know, the idea, just the idea of tackling someone... Um, you know, to the, to the majority of office workers, is a completely foreign idea. So, you know, the the reason people are so proud to play rugby is because there's contact element. And then I see these touch rugby players, and I just think you're kind of sort of taking the credit of playing rugby without doing any of the hard yards. And they're wearing their vests and their backwards caps, and they dress like rugby players. They act like rugby players, but they've done nothing to earn it. And that's what kind of grates on me a bit.
2: I, I could see why that would get to you. If if uh... I think if, if it ever became popular enough to be televised...
1: Oh, let's hope not.
2: Uh, ...maybe you have an issue with that, because, yeah.
1: Yeah, you, and it's, you it's also like...
2: cabling yourself with a rugby player without actually taking contact is a bit of uh, exactly.
1: a... a exactly. And do you know what? It gives people an, e- an easy way out. I mean, it might take a uh, like an amateur player a couple of years to get used to the contact, and then he's going to really, or she, he's going to really enjoy the game for yeah you know, the rest of their career. Whereas yeah. if touch is an option for you, you might go, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to go and play touch.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see
1: where you're coming from now. Mm. I, can, I can see that, yeah. So if it isn't rugby that, get, that gets you going in uh, in your spare time, what is it then?
2: Oh, uh, it's got to be gaming, I think.
1: Yeah, I've heard this. You're a, a fairly avid gamer.
2: I, I love it. Not gonna lie, I can't be around the bush, so I absolutely love it. And, now, to, and then, you no, know, that's me, I'll get a couple of bottles of water around me. <laughs> sit in my beanbag, and that'll be me till about 10 o'clock, go to bed. So, and uh, back into rugby next
1: us See, there. I'm looking at my PS4 now. Well, it's not even my PS4, it's been sat on the floor for the best part of six months. I, I've, I've never put anything in it. Um. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start actually. It kind of a I, games now just overwhelm me. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I I, I don't know. I just you know, I'm, I've got mine right in front of me here and oh, I don't know. I just love it. What uh, what what,
1: uh, what are what you into at the moment?
2: Uh so there's a game called Overwatch at the moment. Uh isn't I don't really I don't tend to play the uh you know, like the typical games that most people play, like Call of Duty or FIFA. You know, I'm yeah, I'm I'm not casual. You know, I'm hardcore. I'm getting all out, so I play the proper games.
1: So. Well, I, I don't even know what Overwatch is. Just just describe it to me.
2: So, have you heard of a company called Blizzard? Yes. Yeah. The World of Warcraft.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's their latest game. It's basically six on six, uh, competitive matches, uh, cartoon kind of style to it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's all basically about your team uh, getting to the other side of the map with, you know, an object that they have to escort to the other side of the map. Basically,
1: how many of the lads are into gaming in, say, Bristol? Because I, I know that there's a little contingent in, in Exeter who are quite into it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I would have said more or less every squad has uh, has quite a decent gaming following. I don't know why it just seems to be the the pastime of choice. Especially with, you know, my age bracket. Yeah. At Bristol, I mean there's uh I would say there's at least ten of us, maybe more, that are, you know, quite into it.
1: Wow. So yeah. I so just to put it into context, I interviewed Grayson Hart uh a while ago. Grayson is a scrum half who plays up in Glasgow. And um they've they've got uh, they've got a group that meets every Monday to read personal development books. Somewhat different to uh to Bristol <laughs> then. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's one or two guys I can imagine might sign up for that club, but <laughs> <laughs> that's about it.
1: Well, um, is it? i have going to this wrong, and I am. Is it Luke Cowan-Dickie who is amazing at, at something? Yeah, yeah. So
2: uh, I, I was talking about this earlier. it was online. Um, uh. I think he was like number one in the world at something on Call of Duty.
1: Yeah, which is when you think about the numbers involved, is it's almost as impressive as playing Hawker for Exeter, actually.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, being number one in the world at anything on Call of Duty is, you know, a massive achievement if you can call it that (laughs) in the game world. But
1: yeah, I don't know where that from. I, I do you know? I think it is on the Flats and Shanks podcast. I'm not entirely sure. I probably is.
2: Yeah I definitely I've definitely heard that he's uh he's he's pretty hardcore he's pretty flat I think him and his brother uh Tom they go
1: at it pretty hard. Yeah uh, by any chance have you been on Twitter today?
2: Uh a little bit. You know, have you
1: now. have you caught the video of um have you caught the video of the Exeter analysis room I guess it is and they're all watching TV? I
2: was literally about to watch it until you
1: rang? I think. Was oh, the
2: one th- that when they announced the lines.
1: Oh, it's amazing! It's probably the best, the best video of the day.
2: <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll get on it after we uh, finish it. Did um the Saracens one actually? That was pretty cool.
1: I've not seen that one. Uh, is that when they're just basically what watching all the lads getting called um called yeah. out? Yeah. 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 Do you know what confused me today, which is. Like everyone who I mean, I'm sure you've picked the Lions team at some point, yeah. Uh, I have, probably I've not. Had... You were probably too too busy gaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you know, so nerds like me have picked Lions teams. People have been picking Lions team teams up and down the country. So naturally, you would start with say tight head prop, finish at eight, and then start the backs. Well, they separated backs and forwards, but then they read it out in alphabetical order, which was no good to anyone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I... I had I got sent through a, a list of uh, of, a, of an apparent squad that had been named. So I was kind of referencing that to uh, the announcement. But yeah, they read out an alphabetical. So I was completely lost. I don't even know why. Why? Why would you do that?
1: Exactly. Exactly right. It's kind of ruined the fun for everyone who's been picking teams from front row to fullback for the past three months.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't get my head around that.
1: So I mean, obviously you weren't in training today. Uh, but were you guys doing what, say, Exeter and Saracens were doing and huddling around the TV? I know there wasn't. Um, it wasn't as likely that you were going to get a Lions player, but still, there's a curiosity aspect.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what they did actually. I haven't actually spoken to anyone that uh, uh, was at training today. I was typically doing. I did a four days' work at home actually. Did uh <laughs> nine till five sat in front of the
1: T V so ah, it's important. Uh, video analysis of
2: Yeah, yeah, video analysis of uh, Overwatch.
1: Nice. Uh so I mean if you've had a chance to have a look at the squad, what do you uh, what do you make of the Lions team for this year?
2: Looks pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah I have had a look at it. Um yeah I can't see I mean from from what from my limited rugby knowledge <laughs> can't see
1: any weak, weak links in there. Uh, so, you must have faced off against Marla, and I'm assuming you've faced off against Mako, yeah? I uh,
2: don't think I have, actually. Have you not? No, because I I didn't play the Harlequins at the start of the season, and I think Marla was away with England when on the return game. Mm-hmm. And didn't play Saracens at home, and we've got them next week. So no, I haven't faced off against either of them.
1: Oh shame! I was going to ask you uh, what what they were like to what they were like to scrimmage against.
2: Yeah, I can't give you an opinion. Sorry.
1: There you go. Uh, is there anyone in the Premiership that you've come a, come up against this year who has really impressed you, scr- scrimmaging wise?
2: Uh, yeah, without doubt, Nathan Cat. Really? Yeah, I. He, I still get nightmares.
1: You got, uh, but, go on, describe that.
2: He just tore me apart. I literally was clueless, didn't know what to do.
1: I've
2: faced him three, three times now, so twice in the Prem and then once in Europe, I think I've come up against him. And, like, every squirm, I'm just trying everything I can, and his... his uh, they I think they work really hard on their um what what we call a Bristol, the conversion, so you know when as soon as that ball's put in it's that that eight man shove yeah um you know you, you've got different you know not not every team goes for that shove initially, you know some kind of like wait it out go for a longer scrum um and I think they just work really hard on you know going all eight as soon as that ball comes in and i i like we just couldn't handle it.
1: Wow. So, yeah, I, it's weird you say that. I had Nathan Cat on the programme uh, three weeks ago.
2: Okay.
1: And one of the things I asked him, uh, it's weird you say that, one of the things I asked him is, um, um, why don't uh, loose heads, you know, have a little dabble at tight head just so they can get tight head style contracts in the, um, in the future? Uh, and he uh you no, know, we, we're just simply not strong enough.
2: Um, it's different it is it is a lot different um how would I describe it is 'cause Because I remember well this season I've played both sides and I went obviously started off a loose head uh mainly a tight head now mm. and I went back to doing loose head for a couple of games um and it is it is just a massive difference a lot of it is do with like the 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 force that your back goes through yeah um, and the angles, so you know as a loose head um you're naturally underneath the tight head due to the way that you bind. Mm. Um, and so you tend to need a lot more uh like lower back strength because yeah. your part of your part of your attacking maneuver as it were would, would be to push up into the tight head sternum.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: With your head um as well as obviously going forward Mm. And then, but as a tight head you know you've got you've got forces coming from both sides yeah um and so you know you I'm not sure what I'm not you know I'm not a sports scientist so I couldn't say exactly what exactly uh, what it is you need to stabilize in your back but you know it, it is a, it is very different
1: i i think some lads just find it easier to sit up tight sit at tight head and just take it rather than a loose head. Try and attack. I think the other problem with loose head as well is there is always that danger that you can shear off, shear off the scrum. Whereas in tight, at tight head, there's no chance of that happening. Really.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. It's a pretty fair analysis. You know? Tight head. You can you can if you if you can find a good shape, um, which is like what part of the main thing of being tight is getting into like a a really nice strong square shape. Um, you know, it is it sounds silly but it is actually really easy and somewhat comfortable to just you know, to just sit in the scrum.
1: Yeah, completely agree um, on that.
2: So, you know, you you see sometimes like especially in like France where they have like these like thirty second scrums, yeah, you know, the tight head, as long as he's in a decent shape, you know, it's it's actually quite easy for him. Yeah. Um, whereas the loose head is cause of this, 'cause they're like I said, then underneath. It's a lot harder for them. So that, that's why the yeah, loose head attacks a lot more is because you don't you don't want to really buy into those uh, those longer scrums like the tight head does.
1: Yeah, so uh, one of my favourite things to watch is when the ball is put into a scrum. And uh, do you know, it usually happens at the start of games, usually pretty high-level games, and the ball just stays in the middle and the amount of pressure going through both scrums basically means that the hooker can't, can't strike it. Uh, do you kind of relish that, off, that, that sort of scenario or does that fill you with dread?
2: No, I, I love those scrums.
1: They're awesome, aren't they?
2: Yeah, because I think those ones are, especially when the ball gets stuck there, there's kind of like, a, uh, it's just kind of like, obviously all six of the front row and probably the second rows can see the ball. And so you just know because it's stuck there. <laughs> it's just a waiting game, and it is literally who is going to crack first. Yeah, you know, not when it when it's stuck in there. It's it's there's not a lot of pushing going on as such. You know, I describe kind of uh, there's there's pushing as in you're like actively moving your feet and trying to go forward, and you know, maybe taking an angle and trying to get underneath someone. Yeah. And then there's kind of like leaning your weight forward mm. and just kind of like bearing down on, on the opposition. And when that ball's stuck in there is literally both teams are just putting all their weight forward. They can't move their feet. You know, like you said, the hooker can't strike. And it is literally just like a waiting game. Who's going to crack? It's yeah, awesome. I, I, I love those type of scrums.
1: Yeah, is it kind of... Is the feeling sort of... Do you know, when you're arm wrestling... And you don 't have quite enough strength to push down, but you 're kind of um waiting for the other guy to tire almost
2: yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah yeah so it's you know, uh back in schoolboy days someone 's got you in a headlock, but they haven 't quite got it <laughs> on, right. so you 're just waiting for their for their bicep to tire a little bit, so you um, can get your head up
1: and then it 's on yeah 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 it, it um it really is quite something to see uh, scrum. Uh, scrums like that. Now, I know we've already spoken this um, about this on our last podcast, and in the interest of full disclosure, uh, this is actually our second attempt at this, because the first one I didn't record. Yeah,
2: I hope you've already uh, pressed the button for that. Yeah, so yeah,
1: might... oh. I, I can confirm, I can see the sound waves coming down now. Um, just go through how you ended up, in particular at Leicester Tigers, because uh, I I love this story. <laughs>
2: Uh, so left that so started off if we go back right to the beginning. I so started off at Penryn Rugby Club which is a little town down in Cornwall mm-hmm. um, that's where I first started playing my my like mini junior rugby um, and then moved to Red Roos. well I went to a couple clubs went to play Penzance for a year um, but yeah ended up at Red Roos when I I think when I, when I was 14 I went there Um, stayed until I was about 16 and then obviously that's the time when you start looking at going into academies yeah Um, so at the time I was kind of lined up to go into Exeter's academy Um, and just kind of I just kind of decided about maybe looking at a change maybe looking you know to to move elsewhere just to have a look around I think at the time Exeter was still in the championship as well Mm. so obviously you know before you commit yourself fully to that it's, it's worth just having a look around if there's any slots available in Premiership clubs uh, so I got got Mother, the old truthful Mother to uh, send some emails out to all the academies in, uh, in the Prem uh, Bristol and Leicester were the ones that came back Saying that they would have me up for a trial.
1: So, on this email, was it literally, um, my son Jamal can really play rugby, or was it like a, an accompanying video?
2: Uh, no I, no, I didn't have any footage, so it was literally just mum doing her best that trying to sell me off.
1: Tell you what, she must really know her stuff. Uh, can play loose head, also tight head, pre- pretty good lifter, uh, rel- <laughs> a relatively good ball carrier, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, I'm sure, uh, you know any loving mother can hype her <laughs> how bad is, so. <laughs> um you know so i so went up to bristol and leicester did the well yeah so i think the first time i did was bristol went up there for a trial mm-hmm. um did a couple of days training with like the you know like the bigger the epdd squad so like the bigger group that then gets filtered down yeah um and then went up to Leicester. Leicester was a club that I'd always supported as a as a kid. Um, I think it was because I think Mum might have supported them, so I kind of just jumped on the bandwagon. Um, so I went up there, uh, got told that look, it's probably not likely because um, they'd already chosen their academy for that following year. But you know, come in, train with the current academy for a week and and. Uh, we'll see what happens um and then so arrived on the monday did a bit of training and then by the wednesday i'd obviously shown them something i'm not sure what but they obviously impressed enough to offer me a, a two-year academy contract
1: awesome uh, now now you've progressed on with your career, and you're a senior guy. What do you think clubs look for from young props? Because it it must be one of the hardest positions to fill, particularly if you're bringing in lads who are like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Well,
2: um, oh, I suppose you just got to look at the fundamentals, not Just you know, if you can, um, well then what do you? Think? So my initial thought was, you know, they they just look for. Someone that is just rock solid in the scrum, yeah yeah, uh, you know, and I suppose that would be that that would obviously be the
1: first box you want to tick. but you know see where I go with that one is I think yeah you are absolutely right, having an eighteen year old who'd be rock solid in the scrum would be amazing, but I mean how would you get on as an eighteen year old if you were to go up against uh, nathan cap do, do do you know what I mean
2: yeah, yeah, I mean I suppose you can't really compare them at that age. You know, you've got you know you, you kind of uh, tough question actually, because yeah, you know, like you said when, if you if you were to compare them to someone like him, you know uh, you know, you just you just might as well put your reverse lights on straight away
0: <laughs> hiring for your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: Obviously, you want to look at uh, you know being solid in the scrum, but then the way that the game is is played and, and the way I think it's going is that the, you're required a lot more as a as a prop now um, to do you know a lot more jobs. You've got guys you know like Dan Cole who you're know, good around the ruck, like Rupaviraskin, you know going to Gloucester. He yeah said again, you know, really strong over ball. Um, you know like like Genji uh you know real strong ball carrier makes big hits so i think as well as having a solid scrum you've got to have something that sets you apart and something that you know not another prop you know that you're competing against can offer
1: yeah yeah that's a good point actually because i I think props can do it once you've got your technical proficiency in the scrum i think after that, they usually offer one other thing, don't they? Like round, you know, round the breakdown, they're good. Like a Jenkins is great around the breakdown, but great in defence. Genji is great at carrying, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got to have you know your USB unique selling point, something that will something that differentiates you from you know from the rest.
1: So when I'm uh, interrogating your agent for your big move, what is Jamal Ford Robinson's uh, unique selling point?
2: hairstyles maybe
1: hair, yeah yeah tell me about your hairstyles
2: <laughs> uh I've always had crazy hair uh I'm I'm a I like to say I'm a guy who likes to mix things up all the time yeah you know? um can never be too settled and, and one of the one of my main outputs is, has always been haircuts and luckily my mum my has always been there, and, <laughs> and uh, the shave is ready for whatever crazy idea I wanted to come up with. So, yeah. So the current one is a blonde mohawk.
1: Excellent choice.
2: Yeah, um, mohawk I've, I've had for a while, and I was I was a bit stuck in a rut. I didn't know where to go with it, what what haircut to get next, and then I thought, oh, well, why, why not just change the colour of it? And so that's how we. We are where we are.
1: Excellent. Uh, you've not gone the gone down the tattoo route yet. No,
2: something I, I do actually really want to get. I really want to get a tattoo.
1: Really? I, mean, yeah. I, I see, I don't have any, and part of me doesn't have any because I'm not really into it. But the other part of me doesn't have any because if you did one, from what I can tell, they're just addictive.
2: Yeah, I've I've I, I've heard that. I've heard that you know once you get one, then your whole body's covered in. I've got a few mates that have, you know, like head-to-toe in tattoos. Yeah. And- I really like the idea of them. I I do I do quite want uh, a tattoo, but, you know, the other side of me is just like, do I really want that on my body for the rest of my life?
1: Exactly. You
2: know, and I suppose, like, it's, it's the way you look at it. You know, some people, you know, they they, they use the tattoos as, like, to you know, signify moments in their life. And so, you know, you can go back and you can look at the tattoos, yeah, you know, there's a there's a guy I know, he's a a comedian, Jim Smallman his name is. Mm-hmm. Um and if you look him up, I mean <laughs> it is ridiculous the amount of tattoos he has and they're just and they're not like you know, they're not someone who's got like a planned sleep of <laughs> you know, like here's my family here and, and they lead into this moment here. It is just, you know, whatever happens at that time he's like, Yeah, I'll get a tattoo of that. You know, he's he's got one. He enjoyed uh when that film anchorman came out yeah he enjoyed that so much that he got a tattoo with ron burgundy you know yeah uh, it's, it's that kind <laughs> of thing you know. uh, so it's just the way you look at it you know do you look do you, do you want to keep them as like just show moments in your life or or do they mean something really you know significant to you that you want to do you want to keep and i suppose nothing that significant happened in my life that i uh yeah want to see for the rest of my life at the
1: moment well there is that and also you know they are pretty cool when you're you know in your 20s and you're a professional athlete i do wonder how well they'll go down you know the flaming neck tattoo when you're doing the corporate speaking circuit
2: (laughs) yeah i can't imagine they uh they go down too well in the office yeah (laughs) there's one of the one of the boys there uh max crumpton he he goes on holiday every year to Thailand. Uh, I think
1: it is. Max, Crom- Crom- is that the prop Crompton? Uh, no, the hooker. Uh, right, because was there not a prop called 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 Crompton at Bristol for a while? Uh, sure, there was. Is
2: it Darren Crompton?
1: Yes, it is.
2: Yeah, so this is Crompton. So with the U.
1: Oh, uh, right. Okay.
2: But yeah, see where you're getting at. Um, but yeah, he's he's got some horrendous tattoos. And I, I'm gonna make sure you listen to this, just so he knows I called him out.
1: Oh, uh, please enlighten like
2: us. In his fingers, it's like he's got like little logo things going on. Like he's got like a like the logo from Harry Potter, like a, a diamond. Ooh, you know, some really random stuff. <laughs> so if you look at his like fingers side on, you just see that he's got these like horrendous little things he gets from Thailand.
1: Well, I'm not sure, right? If this is the worst tattoo or the best tattoo? I'm not entirely sure. Do you do you know Matt Banahan well at all?
2: No, I know who he is, but I don't. Yeah, I don't
1: know. So, uh, legend has it, and I I honestly don't know if this is true or not. But um, there is a tattoo. I'm going to sound stupid now. If this isn't true, I'm going to sound like an absolute idiot. But um, he's got a tattoo, and I'm pretty sure it's something like it's two planes dogfighting except half it is tattooed on him and the other half is tattooed on his brother. (laughs) I like that. Do you know what? I'll I'll give it a pass for sheer imagination. It's either that or or is it a cannonball? It said that it it requires two bodies.
2: Uh, I've I've, I've actually got a lot of time for that. I do like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I quite like it. I've got to say, I quite, I quite like the guys like uh, Jack, Jack Nolan. That seems to be done quite well, actually. I mean, it's a little bit boy bandy, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's got his old body done, isn't he? That's, pretty, it's that's that, pretty. incredible
1: stuff. It's just hours of time as well. Oh, he can do what he wants, wants as well because he's a lion.
2: Yeah, hand that.
1: <laughs> so you're looking forward now to next year. You're going to be going over to Northampton. Um, what was the um, what was the motivation to sign that? I mean, it, it's easy now with um, with uh, with hindsight and Bristol being where they are. But of course, this happened around Christmas time, did it not? Uh,
2: yes, it, it, yeah, around that time. Uh, can't give you an exact date. I can't remember now, but yeah, it was around that time. Um, what was the thinking behind it? I suppose um, the main one was first of all to secure. Uh, staying in the Prem Mm.
1: um,
2: that's something that you know was always number one on my list yeah Um, and you know for for different reasons really one of them was more on the fact that I still because obviously this has been my first year in the Prem um, I haven't really adjusted to that mindset of being a Premiership player Mm. if that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely does
2: so um I'm still i'm 'cause everything it seems like every year i've you know I've gone up a level you know going from like national two up to champ and straight into into pro and so I'm still kind of in that mindset where being in the premiership is is something that uh I've kind of fallen on my feet with that I'm very lucky to be in mm. and so any way to secure staying in there um you know, it was like a big positive for me. Um obviously you can look at it the other way and, you know, let's um you know, go back to Christmas and you you deciding to stay with Bristol to move on. Um you could look at it the other way and say, you know, either way, stay with Bristol. Um, you know, even if worse comes to worse and end up in the championship, I might be better off because might be better might uh, get more game time done in the championship because You know, not every game has as much riding on it as the Premiership does. Yeah. Um, But like I said, because of my my mindset with, you know, still kind of being lucked out to be in the Prem, um, that was something that I was, you know, quite eager to maintain.
1: Do you think an element of that mindset comes from the fact that Bristol are quite new to the Premiership? So although there's a lot of guys with Premiership experience there, as a squad, it's completely new to them.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is that could be it as well. You know, a lot of guys um, that, that came up, you know, with Bristol haven't actually played in the Prem. You know, despite being with Bristol for you know five six years, um, none of them have, have experienced you know Prem rugby. So, to you know to the majority of the squad, it was it was very new, and so we were all kind of experiencing it at the same time, even though. We might be at completely different stages of our careers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's a big part because when you go to Northampton, there's going to be no two ways about it. That is a Premiership outfit through and through.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they've, you know, they've got, they've got two lines in their squad. Mm. You know, when know, uh, when things are going right for them, they've got, you know, close to 10 England internationals.
1: Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, and a French international, of course. Don't forget him. Hampton, Louis, of course yeah also high praise for, for yourself because when i think of northampton i always think of a team that takes its front row very very seriously i mean if you look since i've come back into into the premiership a lot of their game has been built around what their front front row can do not just in terms of uh, scrummaging but in the carrying game too whether it be uh, mujoti Tongawea, of course he's with you guys now i think is it yeah. Yep. Uh, then they went to Corbett Sierra, and now they've got a selection of about six lads who are playing in the front row. Who I re- I, I rate them all, whether it be you know the two hookers, Mike uh, Mikey Haywood and Hartley, or the selection of, of of four props. I mean, they've got lads like Paul Hill on the bench, and I really, really rate uh, Paul Hill. So huge, uh, huge, huge credit to 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 yourself for going there. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I suppose
2: haven't really thought of it in that perspective. You know. I've always known that the are someone that that pride themselves on you know their their forward play and dominant in the scrums and and in the mall Um, yeah when you when you say it like that I mean yeah it is it is
1: uh, no pressure yeah
2: (laughs) no pressure but yeah it is quite um, it is I don't know how to describe it it is one of those environments where you know like, like you're saying relating to the uh to the you know, the, the England and Lions in that squad, it is one of those environments where you know it is you gotta go hundred percent and and uh a lot is, is expected of you.
1: So did you have your first conversation with Northampton between you and Jim Mellander, or was it you and Dorian West, or have I got that completely wrong?
2: Uh so the first conversation I had was with the team manager, actually. Okay. Um. So I kind of I kind of leave the whole club side of like you know when it comes to looking for a new club, I kind of leave all that to my agent. I let him you know let him go, see what he comes back with, and then um, you know the day after a game when I'm not having to think about too much, then I'll talk to him about options. And, yeah. Uh, I heard that was a potential uh option actually going into that uh northampton game where we played them away Mm -hmm. um and then yeah i had a pretty decent game up there um and then yeah the first person i spoke to was uh team manager paul shields over skype actually yeah Uh, um and then yeah following that conversation went up and Met everyone, met all the coaches, um, got the rundown, especially from Dorian West, about what was expected of me.
1: And just give me an idea of what uh, what is expected of you when you arrive there. Um,
2: basically, said don't eat cakes in the off season, turn <laughs> up uh, fit, ready to go. Um, don't hold back, basically.
1: Awesome. Two things I love about Northampton. Maybe maybe it's more the fans than the players, but. Um, certainly, Northampton in general. One sponsored by Church's Shoes, which is amazing. Yeah. So if you like shoes, it's pretty much the best club to play for, anyway. And second, from what I can tell, looking at the Northampton fans when they came up to sale, they've got their own Northampton tweed, which is a dark green with a lighter green stripe and a and a yellow and a yellow stripe.
2: Well, I'm not a massive fan of shoes or tweed. It's a shame. I'm willing to buy in. I'll do what it takes. I'll buy in. I've already had a, a few requests for church's shoes. Apparently, when you sign for Saints, you seem to get unlimited church's shoes. Is
1: that right?
2: <laughs> no, I think I, I've heard on the grapevine that you get a suit yep. and two pairs of shoes. Mm. Apparently.
1: Well, you know, if, you, if, if you're not into them, we'll just keep these lines of communication open.
2: Yeah, yeah. Was it a UK 10, is it?
1: Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A UK 10 will be absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> what's your um what's your after match wear in um in Bristol by the way cuz I, I don't I don't think I've ever seen it. Is it any good?
2: Uh so obviously, well I think most teams are standard you just have your tracksuit when you go to away games. Yeah. Um and then home games you bring out something so ours is just uh it's just blue blue chinos um and then I think it's like a white and blue checkered shirt.
1: Yeah. So uh, oh, I have seen it, actually.
2: Nothing too fancy. So we don't get a tailor-made suit or
1: anything like that. Yeah, because the lads in Wasps get a uh, tailored-made suit by Pins and Stripes, I believe. I know there's something going on with Ex- with Exeter because they've got their tweed. Uh, obviously, Bath have their mustard chinos. I-, I know far too much about this actually. I didn't realise how much how much <laughs> how much of that I knew. Uh, and then uh, the Northampton boys look very very smart because of the ch- because of the church's connection.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually. Um... Went up and, and uh, watched one of the games when they played Leicester at, at home and uh, you know met up with a couple of guys that I knew there and yeah, seen they were all uh, very much kitted out which you know, is something I'm going to have to adjust to because you know, I, 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 if I could get away with wearing a tracksuit to a
1: funeral, I'd probably would. <laughs> uh, so you signed for Northampton. Uh, the yeah. day, you, day you've signed... Uh did you know that Mitch D was going along or did you see him in the corridor like Mitch I've got amazing news and he's like yeah I've I've got amazing news too yeah you go first <laughs> No
2: nah, um no nah, I did hear um, cuz you know I, you, you kind of have like a you no know, you, every team has the there's like there's little groups inside the team mm. um and you know the the guys that are Bristol born tend to uh gravitate towards each other so um we had both spoken about uh, potential options for the following year, um, and yeah, as it turned out, we both decided on the same one. It was, and uh, we never really like encouraged each other to to move together, you know, because yeah, everyone else is yeah, everyone's career is different, and yeah, and it depends on you know who's in front of you when you go to that club, and and you know, all, all sorts of factors come into decision. But um, yeah, as it turned out, we both both decided to. To move up to Northampton, which is uh, it's quite cool actually. You know, someone, you know, especially that I've you know just would, would have just finished playing with moving up there as well.
1: So. Yeah. Well, um, how have I lost track again? Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you think it's a, it's fair to say um, Mitch Edie is one of those players that. Um, just hasn't had enough exposure in in the Premiership, and if he had been fit for the full season, uh, we would we we would be appreciating him a lot more.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, he's uh, he's one of the most naturally you know, talented people I've ever played with. Really? If he if he I, I I'd almost put money on it, not much because I haven't got much, but I'd put a couple of quid on it, saying that if he had been playing uh, Premiership for the last three years he'd be well I know he's English and he can also qualify for Scotland but he would he'd be in that England team no doubt
1: oh is he Scottish qualified too yeah which way does he does he gravitate Uh, don't know actually don't know
2: I think I think think his mum is English and his dad's Scottish so so he's got the two options but you know I'm surprised he hasn't made it in already Um, he is you know he is awesome, and I think another, and I think like same thing with him staying in the Premiership and and getting that exposure um, against you know those high level performers that are in that league. It will. Um, I got. I got no doubt he'll play. Be playing international within the next couple of years.
1: Will he be going there as an eight? Do you reckon or a six?
2: I'd guess an eight.
1: Yeah, I'd guess eight as well because he is rapid. I mean, that, that, that's the other thing people do not realize about him how fast he is.
2: Yeah, he's real fast, and and the other thing is he he breaks tackles that he shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but it is when you actually watch him run into contact, it it's almost like you don't know what he's doing. Yeah, is so it you know, a- like some people you can tell they know what they're doing when they run into contact? You know, like the elbows up, they you know, yeah, they're, they're bracing for for impact, but like he just seems to run these lines upright and just just goes through a gap
1: and I don't know how he does it It's one of those weird things that when people are not coached when people are very unorthodox they're much harder to play against I mean we spoke about the guy already just briefly but um, his competition there uh, Louis Piccamont, you, you don't really know what he's going to do and if you do yeah. know what he's going to do you know he's not being coached it he just does it, it just he's standing yeah. still then he kind of pushes his forearms into people and then he just carries on going
2: yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been trying to look for the limited rugby that I watch. I've been trying to, um, you know, trying to figure out how some of these runners do it. You know, like uh, what's that guy that the winger? Uh, Rocket Dugoni? Nah, massive bold
1: bloke. Um, in the prem? No. Nah. Uh, Nadolo is it? Uh, Waisaki Nadolo. No, hang on. So, okay, you've got to be careful here. 'Cause there's Naholo Nadolo, and the one we're thinking of is the huge guy who played for Montpellier. Who was the one that... namani Nadolo The
2: one that played against
1: Saints. Yeah. Namoni Nadolo that is. But the all black is Waisaki Nadolo. um oh I can't say the names. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we we're we're agreed it's that guy. And he, he scores yeah. in scores in the corner and George North sort of strokes him over.
2: Yeah, that's the one <laughs> Yeah. I was watching that game and what well, it's just it's just madness. Like like you said, it's just so unorthodox the, the the style of running that you never know if he's gonna offload, if he's gonna try and run over you, if he's gonna try and sidestep you. And it's just yeah, it's just one of those things that you said they just just comes
1: so naturally to some people it is, it's a bizarre thing coaching isn't it because I think to be good at something you've got to practice and be coached and I always think of like catching and passing so they always say put your hands up look where the ball's going look where the ball is going to go and then pass but the real genius guys like I say Carlos Spencer will be looking left and passing right yeah I think oh okay well clearly no one's clearly no one is teaching people to look left and pass right
2: <laughs> yeah you just- but he just he just
1: does it. Yeah, it's um, I I I think coaches call it unconsciously competent. I think, but I can't be sure. I'll take
2: your word
1: for it. There, there you go. Um, I'll just <laughs> one last uh, one on professional rugby, which I'm pretty sure you'll be pleased ple- pleased to hear. There'll be no more rugby chat after um, after this. I'm trying just, my best. Is it saying sorry.
2: said I'm trying my best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, hey. Just from a squad point of view in Bristol, obviously you had a lot of upheaval mid um, mid uh, uh, mid season. Um, what did that do for you guys as a squad having someone like Andy Robinson leave, and then all the upheaval of Lamb coming in and Tainton doing his stuff, even even though it is a, a part time basis or a temporary basis, I should say.
2: Yeah, it, it's been it's been just use the cliche a bit of a roller coaster. Mm. Um, how much it's disrupted us I don't know but you know obviously it's been it's been very difficult Um, you know like I said there has been a lot of changes Um, you know if you think about it just in just in in this one season alone you know we've had Andy Robinson in in charge Um, we had uh, Mark Bakewell step up um, at some point, I had Mark Tainton come in, and you know, most recently Alan Solomon's.
1: Oh yeah, that's a weird one. Why did that happen?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think that might be in the game because results weren't going our way, and it's just. Uh...
1: Is Alan Solomon still there?
2: Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I can't remember what, what his first game was, but yeah, he he came in and he and he's. He's the head, he's the, you know, the guy in charge, he's the head honcho.
1: Mm. So So have you been asked to play a different style every time you've had a a new, a a new head man? Uh, I'm sure the backs
2: have, and I'm sure the people who pay a bit more attention in meetings might have picked up on something, but as far as I'm aware, I'm just scummaging and mauling and running into brick walls. Being a good pro. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, no, I think that there has been a um, a, a few changes. Um, you know, we especially when when uh, Mark Tainton took over, there was a, a bit more emphasis on on running the ball. Yeah. Um, because previous to that, um, I think we tried to go into like ultimate professional Premiership mode straight away, and so it was kind of like, right, we're just gonna we're gonna play in the right areas it's considered and just you know kick everything and wait wait for teams to mess up Mm. um which wasn't really working for us because we were either kicking inaccurately um and then teams with teams attack was just too good so you know we're just giving them ball to play with um and not being able to defend it um and then and then you know relating to the defensive question obviously our, our defense has changed yeah, um, going from last season into this season so it was kind of like you had a combination of giving the ball away too much and still adapting to a new defensive system which you know probably was the reason why this, the the start of our season was especially bad um, and then like you said or like, like I said the uh, the style of play that we've adopted has changed slightly um, not so much with Alan Tolman to come in he's he's addressed more of the the way that we train um he's up the intensity and and the physicality of training but yeah the style of play definitely changed when uh, when Taints took over.
1: Excellent. Um well I won't ask you any more questions on professional rugby as I, as I promised. I will ask <laughs> this though. Uh, are you into wrestling? Uh, <laughs> uh
2: kind of I was massively into it. Um not so much now
1: but yeah. The reason I ask is just when you mentioned his name I googled Jim Jim Smallman. And the related search is Jim Smallman professional wrestling. That's not yeah. the same guy, is it?
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, He's it... a God, we could go full circle here. Yeah. Uh, so he is a comedian and he also owns a wrestling company called Progress Wrestling who are based in London and they are the biggest uh kind of like wrestling promotion uh in in England. Uh they actually got a link with WWE now because of Oh
1: team. wow.
2: So yeah, they uh they they took off. Uh I don't know if I don't think this is quite public knowledge yet. It will be in about 3 seconds. But it will be in a few seconds. If you were I'm just going to try it now on my phone. Wait, no it's not going to pop up there was one time a certain someone under the name Crisis appeared in Progress Wrestling uh, who I, may, or may not resemble a certain professional role
1: player called Jamal well, I was going to say this sounds like a uh, <laughs> this does sound like a potential career change here yeah uh did did you win did uh, uh did you fight
2: i did i had one
1: match um
2: it was when i was playing for cambridge so i was part-time
1: awesome uh,
2: um yeah I, i'm trying to think how i remember i met how i met jim i think it's because we were both living in leicester at the time he's i think he's originally from leicester yeah um so yeah i went along and did a bit of training because i was still you know like super into uh the whole wrestling side of things then um and yeah, ended up having a uh having a wrestling
1: match. That's awesome. And you won. I
2: can actually find it on YouTube actually.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I'll have to uh I'll have to repost that on Twitter if you find uh, it.
2: Uh, if you Google, well, you've got to put it differently so it's crisis but it's spelled K R I S Y S and you put versus Tyson and it should pop up
1: nice that's it that that uh, see that's the sort of nugget of information that you don't get from uh, get from other podcasts
2: yeah anyone that's listened to this will know but it will be kind of like an inside inside info until uh until that spreads
1: Excellent. Mate, really, 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 really appreciate it. Delighted that this time we've actually got it recorded so people can hear it. Um, Let everyone know where we can find you on Twitter um, and, you know, where we can actually where we can find you on Twitter and when you'll be posting this YouTube video. Uh,
2: Okay, so I'm J Ford Rob on everything, Twitter, uh, Instagram. uh, I think that's all I do. Yeah, Twitter, and Instagram, J 4 The video. Uh, well, whenever, whenever you post about this, uh, about this podcast being available, I'll, I'll put a tweet out, and then uh, we can put them out simultaneously.
1: Superb, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I shall. Uh, I will
0: catch up with you.
1: soon.